I spent some some time over the past couple of weeks trying to figure out where where we were going, and and I had a conversation with Rob. Uh, I guess now it's been about a week and a half, and uh, there was this phrase that came to mind. It was comfortability versus calling, and I don't even remember the context of the conversation. I just remember that it was something that me and Rob talked about. Because uh, this week when uh, we were, uh, I was talking to Kim about where we were going and, and giving her a verse for uh, for this week, our memory verse that we have there out of Joshua 24. And, and I, I told her, I said, well, we've, we've, we've got a title here. And, and I said it, and Rob was like, that sounds familiar. Uh, but but we talked about this, uh, and and it was one of those things that, that God just kept coming back to. And so this week, uh, I began unpacking what it looks like, comfortability versus calling. What does that mean? What is What all is there? And there's so many different things that we could go with this, so many different routes that we could go with this. But really the thing that, that got me this week was there's a lot of people who are comfortable sitting in a pew. There's a lot of people that are comfortable coming on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and maybe any other time that we have an event and they're comfortable. They're, they're okay with being comfortable sitting in the pew. And so I began praying and saying, God, show me something. Show me a place that says that it's okay for us to be comfortable. Show me a place in Scripture in your word where it says that that is okay if that's what I want to do. If, I, that's, if that's the level of Christianity that I have, then that's okay. Church, I got to tell you this morning, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find a place where God said, you know what, once you join the church, once you uh, have a relationship with me and you get baptized and you, you become a member of a church body, then, then all you got to do is just go and it'll be okay. I couldn't find it. Now, I'm not a theologian. I'm not, I'm not one of those that, that knows every verse in the Bible or anything like that. Matter of fact, I've got to look my stuff up to, to find out where it is. I know bits and pieces and and uh, there's, I've got some, some wonderful search engines that help me find Scripture that applies to what it is that's jumping up in my head. And, but I couldn't find anything that said it's okay for you to come and be comfortable. I couldn't find anything that said for me it's okay, Josh, to get in a routine and, and lead the students through a routine and just get comfortable with that. And so this morning we're going to look at this idea of comfortability versus calling and the part the thing that that bothers me the most is i think a lot of us have traded our calling for being comfortable and i'm not just talking about chapel i'm talking about the church in general we we've we've watched the news we've seen the things that are going on and, and i've seen reports of uh those house churches in the middle east growing by leaps and bounds in the midst of persecution and yet in america we find a lot of churches that are half empty. We find a lot of churches that maybe this morning they're discussing whether or not they'll ever open again. This morning they may be looking, they may be meeting with some of their leadership and saying, is it best for us just to encourage the handful of people we have to go somewhere else? When that happens, I, I believe that the church has traded its calling for being comfortable. That can't be us. That can't be who Chapel Hill is. And, and when we begin to mistake our calling and we, we don't understand what our calling is as believers, and we're going to get to what our calling is as believers uh, at the end of this message today, but when we mistake that calling for being comfortable, 
we, we simply miss what Jesus has called the church to do. We simply miss what it is that our purpose is for being here. You've probably heard and say it, but this is not a country club. This is not a, a place that, that we, we just have social involvement. It can be those elements, but that's not where it stops. It's not just a place where we come and, and we get to, to see the students lead us in worship. And didn't they do a great job this morning leading us in worship? But that's not what it is. It's not when, when the entire staff is back. Is that we don't come just to see Casey in the choir. We don't come just to hear Shannon. We come because this is what God has called us to do. This is a part of our growth. This is a part of us moving forward. And if it's not a part of your growth, then you're missing out on what Jesus has for you. You're missing out on the entirety of your relationship with Christ. You have bits and pieces of it. You may have your fire insurance. You may have that. But if you're not growing, you're missing out on what God wants you to do. There's not a purpose, person in this place. If you have breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. He's not finished with you yet. He still has a purpose for you. It doesn't matter if you're 90 years old or 9 years old. God has a purpose for you. He wants you to do something. He has a plan for your life. So we should take every breath that we have and use it for Him. We should take every moment that we're given and use it for Him. See, Jesus never said, Josh, come follow me and I'll take you somewhere you can be comfortable. When God called me in the ministry, he didn't say, Josh, I want you to go and work with students, but only to the level of your comfort. He didn't call me as a Christian and say, Josh, you know what? I, I, I'm offering you a, an, an adoption into my family because I want you to have a comfortable life. See, it's quite the opposite. And we find that in Scripture. If you flip over with me to Matthew chapter 19. It's a very familiar story. I'm not going to read the whole story to you because we've got a few places we're going to jump to uh, this morning. But Matthew chapter 19 gives us the story of the rich young ruler. Let, let me remind you of what had happened there. Uh, the, in, starting in verse 16, uh, he comes and he, he says, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And Jesus says, Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who's good, and if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he told him, he said, I've, I've kept those commandments. He said, which ones? He said, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the young man was excited because there in verse, verse 20 it says, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? See, he asked Jesus a question. He said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, this is what I need you to do. I need you to keep all these commandments. And he's looking and going, great. I've checked all those boxes. This is awesome. He said, what else do I like? I've, I've got all those, Jesus. I've done that. I've been to church. I, I follow the commandments. I tithe regularly. I do all of these different things. I mean, I showed up at that special event that we had uh, that one week. I don't always go to all of them, but I showed up at that one. Uh, I've I, I voted for things. I've I've been to uh, some of the MAM events, some of the GAP events. I've been to, to whatever events you can call. And, and, and he's looking and he's going, I feel pretty good about myself right now. I feel pretty good about where I am because I've done all those things, Lord. 
So what am I still lacking? Verse 21 says, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. See, there were certain commandments that were easy for him to follow. There were certain things that were easy for him to do. And he was okay with that. He was like, yeah, I got that. I can do all that. And Jesus said, but there's another God in your life that I need you to get rid of. He said, there's something that's taken the place that only I deserve. And he said, I really need you to get rid of that first. And it was his wealth. He was a rich young man. And his wealth was, was in the way of God having the prominent place in his life. See, this young man was comfortable because he could do all those other things and they weren't sacrifices to him. But he had wealth that he was not willing to give up. He was comfortable in his financial situation. He was comfortable with where he was. But look at what verse 22 says. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. See, that man right there traded his calling for comfortability. He traded what it was that Jesus was asking him to do. He traded what it was that Jesus was saying, hey, this is what I need you to do to be obedient to me, to follow me. And he said, yeah, but I, I can't do that. Jesus, you don't know how much I have. I'd have to give up a lot. That's my security. That's my finance. I'm, I'm set for life. It's, it's one of those things that, that I have this and, and I can't give that up. But Jesus was clear. He said, I need you to go do all those things and then come follow me. But the young man couldn't give up that comfortability for the calling that Jesus was placing on his life. Uh, you don't have to flip there. It'll be on the screen. But Luke 16, 13 reminds us that we can't serve two masters because it says this. No servant can serve two masters for he'll, either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's just another reminder in the Gospels there that what it is is we, we can't allow what God needs or deserves in our life. We can't allow to share that position with two different things. We can't look and go, okay, God, you know, I'll give you my Sunday and Wednesday, but I get Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay, God, I'll, I'll give you these things. Yes, I'll do all these things here. I'll serve in this capacity. I'll do these things, but I got to hold on to this. See, what happens is eventually you get to the point where you despise one of them. You get tired of it. You get burnt out because you're trying to divide yourself among two things that don't deserve the same place. You're looking and going, how can I stay comfortable? How can I stay in control with everything that I have and still follow this calling that God has given me? I don't know that I've ever met anybody that's had a calling that didn't have to sacrifice something. I've never heard a story of anybody that, that they said, hey, you know what, I, I finally decided to follow that calling with Jesus. But you know what, I didn't have to give up anything. It was great. It was perfect. There was nothing. I didn't lose a thing. I gained everything. There was nothing that I lost. Now, there are people that will tell you, I'm glad I gave that up because it wasn't near as great as I thought it was. I'm glad I sacrificed those things for my calling to follow Jesus, but they still made that sacrifice. See, this rich young ruler struggled with that because he had great wealth. And he walked away sorrowful. He walked away with a heavy heart because he couldn't trade his comfort for his calling. 
Y'all flip over to Joshua 24 with me. I told you we're, we're, going, we're going all the way through it. We're, we're, doing, we're doing the Old and the New Testament this morning. See, the thing is, there, this young man was not the only person that had to make this decision. This young man wasn't the only person that, that had to decide on what they were, he was willing to give up and what he was going to hold on to. Uh, we're going to find here in Joshua 24 that the people of Israel had to make this decision as well. The people of Israel had to make a decision on who they were going to follow. And, and the beauty of Joshua 24, you're probably familiar with verse 15. Shannon's actually quoted it, uh, paraphrased it several times over the past uh, few weeks. And I told him, I said, you're just getting everybody ready for where we're going on Sunday morning. But um, the people of Israel had to make a choice as well. But in Joshua chapter 24, he doesn't, Joshua doesn't look at him and just go, okay, hey guys, you need to choose today whom you're going to serve. He doesn't just start with verse 15. He doesn't say, hey, you need to make a choice on what you're going to do. No, he goes all the way back to the beginning of their history. And I want us to walk through that. Let's start in verse 1. And it says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for the heads and their judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. For Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave Mount Seir to possess it. And Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. <coughs> excuse me. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I played Egypt by what I did in its midst. And afterward I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And Egypt pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. But when they cried out to the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your own eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan and they fought with you and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel and he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I was not willing to listen to Balaam, so he had to bless you, and I delivered you from his hand. You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you. And the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Girgashite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, thus I gave them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites before you, but not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you have lived in them. You were eating, vineyard, eating of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. Then he gets to that part and says, Now, therefore, since you've heard all of this, since you've heard all of this history, since I've reminded you of all the places that God has brought your people, your ancestors, everything from the beginning of the nation, he says, since I'm reminding you of all of that, he says, Now, therefore, this is my advice. Fear the Lord. And serve Him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And verse 15 says, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua goes through. God reminds him and says, hey, I need you to speak this to the people. And so the Lord says to them, he reminds them of all the places that he had brought them through. Reminds him of all those big victories that he had brought him through. He didn't even touch on the fact that of how he provided for him in the wilderness. He just said, you were in the wilderness for a long time. And, and hey, you're still here. You are here. The people are here. I've brought you to the place that I promised you. They had seen battle after battle after battle. Victory after victory after victory. They saw a lot of things happen. But they still had a decision to make. The truth is, there's a lot of you in this room today that have seen a lot of things that God has done. You've seen a lot of ways that God has won victories. And He's won those battles and caused you to see those victories in your life. And yet, maybe today, you're struggling with being comfortable. See, there's, there's plenty of us in this room that, that, that know the history. We celebrated just two years ago, 75 years of Chapel Hill. There's some of you in this room that remember the beginning of it because you were part of it. You've seen all the stages that this church has gone through. You've seen the growth. You've seen the declines. You've seen the different pastors. You've seen the different leaders. There's a lot of people in here that you've been under entirely different staffs here at Chapel Hill. But you've seen God be faithful over the years. You've seen God show up when you didn't know where to turn. You've seen God show up in your family when you thought all was broken. You've seen God show out in different ways. And yet there's still a decision that we've got to make. Sometimes we need to be reminded of where God has brought us from so that we can keep moving forward. Because the last thing that we want to do as a church is be comfortable with where we are. Because there's a lot of people out in this world that are dying and going to hell because churches are comfortable. There's a lot of people in our community that don't have the hope that we have in this place because people are comfortable. I told you we'd eventually get to the calling. And you may be saying, Josh, what's my calling? I'm not, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be a teacher. I'm not called to a specific role that you may find in Scripture. Well, see, the beauty of it is I found a place that tells us, points to what all of us are called to. Let's flip over to Genesis chapter 22. We all have a common calling as believers. You may not feel like you have a specific role. You may not have a job title, but you have a common calling in, that we can find here in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, I talked with John about this story and. He didn't know that, that God was going to keep that one on my mind as, as we were driving on Friday, uh, but, but it showed up here uh, this morning in, in, our, in our message. But Genesis chapter 22, and I'm not going to read the whole thing for you because this is the story of Abraham and Isaac. And so basically there, starting in verse 1, he tells him, he says, Hey, I need, you, I need your attention. Because he calls out and says, Abraham. And he says, Here I am. Verse 2 says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. That was his entire instructions. He said, I know you waited a long time for this one and only son. You've waited a while for this to come. I need you to take that son and I need you to go sacrifice him. 
So what did Abraham do? He rose early in the morning, gathered his servants, he gathered his son, they went on traveling and verse 5, he told the young men that were traveling with him, he said, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Abraham didn't know exactly what he was promising there. But he wasn't ready to have that conversation with his son. He wasn't ready to tell him, hey son, this is the only thing that God's told me. I need you to walk up this mountain, but one of us may not make it back. And it's not because I'm old that I may not make it back. So they took the wood the, the, for the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac and he took in his hand the, the fire and the knife and they went on. And Verse 7, Isaac said to him, this is my father. He said, here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said in verse 8, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. See, in Abraham's mind, he had already provided that lamb for the burnt offering. He had already provided what he thought was going to be the offering that, that God had asked for. It is something he had prayed for for a long time. And, he, and he's, he's looking at this and he's walking up his this mountainside with his son and I can't imagine what's going through his mind and, and, and his son's carrying the wood and he's got the knife and the fire and I imagine that he walked that whole way just praying, God, do something. God, show me something. God, uh, allow something to happen in this. I, I'm trusting in you because I've seen you. You've given me these promises and so I'm faithfully following you. So I need something to happen. And Isaac's like, Dad, where's... Where's the sacrifice? He said, I, I got the wood. You've got the, the knife to kill the sacrifice. You've even got the fire with you. And I know we can find the rocks up there. He said, but, but where's the sacrifice? Because I'm pretty sure Isaac knew that it had to be. You couldn't just pick a random animal that was out there. He knew the, the sacrificial system and, and how, how that stuff was supposed to work. His dad probably taught him all of those things. And so he's looking and going, how in the world are we going to find an unblemished sacrifice that's worthy of our God? And Abraham says, don't worry, son, God will provide. In the back of his mind, he's praying the whole way, saying, Lord, provide. Lord, provide. Lord, provide. Lord, please. Please provide. So they walk up that mountain, and you know the rest of the story. Abraham, in verse 10, stretched out his hand over, over Isaac to slay him. And then the angel of the Lord called to him again, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. And verse 12 says, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. See, God tested Abraham in this moment. He tested him with the most prized possession he had. The same thing that Jesus did with the rich young ruler. He was tested with the most prized possession that he had. But Abraham was willing to follow what God had asked him to do. See, that calling that all of us have, that calling that we see exhibited in, in Abraham's life here when he took his son up that mountain, that calling is a simple word called obedience. So you may not have a role in the church. You may not have a, a specific title. You may not have something that, that you have to prepare for each week. But you are called to obedience. 
You were called to obedience just as everybody else in this room and everybody else that's watching that has faith in Christ. Anybody that hears the sound of my voice this morning as a believer, your calling first and foremost is to obey God. But oftentimes we like where we're at. We like sitting in the pew. Maybe God's called you something that you're not willing, not really sure that you can stretch that far yet. Maybe you really don't know how to make it happen. Maybe you really don't know how to do those things. Maybe you're not sure. Well, my challenge to you is to take that first step. Because the last thing you want to do is trade your calling for comfortability. The last thing you want to do is look and go, God, you know what? I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But God didn't ask you to do that. He said, let me do that through you. God didn't look and say, hey, Josh, you know what? I need you to go and do all these different things. I need you to do this. He said, no, I just need you to be a willing vessel and go where I tell you. Do what I tell you to do. Follow me and it'll be okay. But even as a pastor, we get comfortable. Even as a paid staff member, we get comfortable. It happens. It's a danger that all Christians face because we get into that routine. We get into that rut and we look and we go, you know, it's okay. I, I'm, we're doing all right. This, this is going this way and it's, it's okay. It's not maybe what I wanted it to be, but it, it's, we're moving in the right direction. So as long as we can keep moving in that direction, we'll be okay. When God is looking and saying, I've got so much more for you. If you just obey. If you trade that one thing that has taken my space. If you take that one thing out of the way and let me be God. I got some big things for you. See, the truth is, God isn't looking for church attendance. But rather, he's looking for Christian obedience. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad you're here. I want you here every week. Those that are listening, I invite you to come and join us at Chapel Hill. We want you here. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. But if that is what your Christian walk is based on, is your church attendance, then you are missing the mark. Because He's looking for obedience. He's looking for people who are willing to go and to do the things that He's called them to do. Now your calling may be completely different than mine. The things that you do, the people you see, I won't have conversations with your coworkers most likely. There's people in your family that I'll never meet. There are people at the grocery store that you'll talk to maybe today, maybe tomorrow that I won't run into because I'll go at a different time than you do. But all of us have the calling to be obedient. All of us have that calling to do what it is that God has called us to do, which is to go and make much of Him. To proclaim His name in all that we do. And everything you do, do it to the glory of God. We forget that. I forget that. Sometimes I trade my comfort for my calling. And when we get comfortable with where we are in our relationship with Him, we often, we often stop pursuing our calling. That's why it's dangerous to get comfortable. Because then we stop. 
We stop chasing after Him. We stop pursuing Him. We stop looking for those opportunities that He's given us. So I ask this question this morning as we wrap up. What are we as a church missing out on because we're satisfied with where we are instead of following God in complete obedience? What are you this morning missing out on because you're comfortable with where you are? What is God asking you to do that He's saying, I'll give you the rest of the picture when you take that first step? He didn't tell Abraham, hey, just go up there and if you follow what I say, there'll be a ram in the thicket. There'll be a ram over there in the bush that's going to be a perfect sacrifice. No, He said, I need you to go, take your son, and you're going to sacrifice him where I tell you. That was all his instructions. And so he had to go. He had to be in tune with God. And God pointed him to the place that he was supposed to sacrifice him. And so him and his son walked up the mountain. And he laid him on that altar. And he said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But this is what you've asked me to do. So I'm going to obey you because I know that that's what I'm called to do. And so he raises his hand with that knife. And then angel of the Lord says, stop. You've shown your obedience. Look over there, there's a ram. Sacrifice that one. Worship with your son as y'all sacrifice this to God. We're not promised to get the whole picture. Oftentimes the picture comes step by step, one step at a time. But we're called to obedience. We're called to follow him and whatever it is that he's pointing you to. I'm going to ask J.D. to come up here this morning. We're going to close out a little bit differently. J.D. is going to play on the guitar for a little while. I'm going to ask that you would just bow your heads this morning. Bow your heads with us. Uh, with us. We're, we're, going to, we're going to open up the altar this morning. We're going to give you time to spend time in prayer. We're not going to have a song that we're going to sing. We're not going to stand up across the building or anything like that this morning. We're just going to simply respond to what it is that God's calling you to do. For some of you this morning, that's going to be coming to the altar to spend time in prayer with Him. Some of you, you'll pray where you are. But I have no doubt that what God has said this morning has touched somebody's heart today. And I don't want you to miss your chance to respond. Because sometimes your first step of obedience is your response to what you've heard. We say that that first step of obedience and in, in, in salvation is baptism. It's that first step there. Then you walk with, with Christ for all your days. Well, sometimes us getting back on track, our first step is asking for forgiveness. There may be some of you in this, in this room this morning that, that don't have a relationship with God, and that's your first step of obedience. God is saying, hey, I want to use you. You've heard Him this morning say, hey, I've got big plans for you. I want to do something through your life but I need you to be a child of mine. Well, the altar is open for that. For some of you, you have a relationship with God, and He's saying, you know what? You've, you've gotten a little stale. You've gotten a little comfortable. He says, I need you to push forward. The altar is open for you to do that business today too. Some of you, maybe your step of obedience is to come and join the church because He said, you know what? I need you to be a part of the body of believers. Church attendance won't get you saved. It won't provide you any uh, extra gold stars in in, in heaven there, but it is important for us to be a part of a body of believers because that's how we grow together. 
We create that community. We're a part of a community of like-minded faith people. And through that, we grow in our relationship. We get opportunities to serve together. And so maybe this morning he's telling you, hey, Chapel Hill is where I want you to be. And your next step of obedience is to join. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I know that God is moving in this place. And so I ask now that you be obedient. Father, allow us to move in this place. The altar is open. And we give you the glory for the work that you do in here.